Good morning, everyone. Welcome once again back to Orange Crest Community Church. Uh, my name is Bruce, and I'm on staff here as one of the pastors. During the school year, I've been focused on our junior high and high school ministry, our, our student ministry, but we have a little bit of a break, so I'm, I'm freed up, and it's a real privilege for me to be here to, to be able to share some messages with you all. And so today we're going to be continuing the series called Battleground, and we're focusing on key strategies needed to find success in the battleground of life. And so last week we started using the book of Joshua in the Old Testament of the Bible to draw out some really important concepts. And today we're going to be using a very powerful narrative uh, in Joshua to, to draw out this idea of carefully following instructions and, and actually following orders when you're on the battleground. And really in any area of life, whether you're on the battleground or otherwise, carefully following the instructions is generally a good idea. <laughs> Sometimes I don't want to bother with the instructions or the guidelines. Uh, sometimes it's being lazy. Sometimes I think I transcend the rules and the guidelines. Uh, and it doesn't always work out that great for me. You know, for example, we were in a family vacation a few weeks ago. Uh, my wife and my three kids, we were in Morro Bay, which is a really great, it's a small little beach town, real slow pace, great for relaxing and vacationing. And one morning I woke up and I felt awful. I felt horrendous. I got out of bed. And I kind of was stumbling out, and the biggest thing was I was so dizzy. I, the world was spinning around. I was just confused, and I had no idea what was going on. I was the first one up, go sit on the couch, and I think, maybe if I just sit here for a few minutes, this, is, this feeling will pass. It did not pass. <laughs> it increased. And uh, I'm thinking, man, like, what is going on? I, last night before bed, I had sparkling water and an ice cream sandwich. It was relatively a relaxing night. I don't, I, I don't have any explanation for this. And uh, Aaron, my wife, walks out, and I tell her, I feel wrecked, and I have no idea what's wrong with me. So she was compassionate. She started asking me some questions, and uh, she said, did you, uh, did you take any medicine last night? As a matter of fact, I did. I did take some medicine. Uh, we had been both dealing with some head congestion. I was coughing a lot. The previous night, I was up all night. I just kept waking myself up, coughing and hacking so much. And so, so that, that night, I thought, I'm going to solve this problem right now. So I grabbed a bottle of medicine. I just took a big swig of, of cough medicine. And I thought, that should be the dosage and then maybe a little extra just to kind of really take care of this thing. So I went to bed happy, feeling good. And this is, this is I'm, sorry, I'm like, maybe this is where this is heading. And so Aaron starts reading the symptoms of overdose on Delsim, which is what I took. And uh, she reads, okay, blurred vision. Yes. Okay. Shakiness and unsteady walk. Yeah, for sure that one. Okay, confusion, got it, and dizziness. So far, these are all lining up. I think we found the culprit here. But she kept reading. The next one was severe vomiting. I was like, oh, no, not yet. I don't know what's going to happen to me in the next couple hours. And I was thinking, man, the coughing was better than the way I feel now with the medicine. And so basically, I, I just didn't take the instructions all that seriously. There were some big consequences for me and actually for my family. I mean, the rest of the morning... I was off my game. I mean, we tried going to the beach, but I was out of it. It went into the afternoon. It eventually wore off. I did not vomit. And <laughs> we, as it turns out, overdosing on medicine, there's a price to pay for that. And, uh, I, I mean, I have to admit, when I took that first sip, that long sip, I, I didn't, honest, I honestly didn't think there would be any negative consequences. I, and it didn't matter what I thought about it, though. Turns out there's a reality, <laughs> apart from what I was thinking, that I, that I didn't see, I didn't factor in. And this is why following the directions is generally a good idea. And, and we have a tendency, you know, in various situations of life, where we're a little reluctant 
to follow instructions or to follow the guidelines. In fact, it's really easy for us to come up with reasons why the rules don't apply to us. I mean, we've, we've got a whole collection of ideas. We've got common responses that we use for the guidelines. One is, I know better. I mean, this was the case with me with medicine. I know what I need. I know what dosage. I'm, I'm, I'm my own doctor, okay? I don't need to worry about that. Or another one is sometimes we say, it'll be fun. And, you know, I know what the guidelines are. I know what the rules are. But it'll be fun. Sometimes it's the only excuse you need just to dive right in, whatever you want to do. Or maybe you're aware there's some consequences if you do this thing, but I can get away with it. Or, or maybe the consequences aren't that bad, and, and I'll, just, I'll just go through that. Or sometimes we think, you know, I know what the rules are. I know what the guidelines are, but... In my special case, there's a reason why I can just skate around this or, you know, it's justifiable for me or for my family. And so we have all these reasons that kind of come to mind as we're, we're looking at guidelines, at the instructions. And we're going to dive back into the story where we left off last week following Joshua. And we're going to look at a situation where some of God's commands were completely disregarded and the impact that that had. And, and when you read the Bible, you begin to realize, you discover that people have been reluctant to follow instructions for centuries. I mean, people don't honestly change all that much year to year to decade to century. And some of the same things that we experience and that we deal with today, people dealt with way back you know, in the day. And this is one of the reasons why the Bible is still so helpful. This is why the Bible is instructive to us. It's applicable to the situations that we face every day. And it provides the insight that we need for handling life skillfully and finding good success and so last week, we, we saw how Joshua was given leadership of the nation of Israel. Joshua, he was a young, green warrior, and he got this new responsibility to lead a nation of tens of thousands of people. But if that wasn't big enough, his very first job assignment was to launch a military campaign in ancient Palestine, conquering what was known as Canaan. And this was a big deal. He, he had to launch out, and he was basically, they were going to come against people that were directly opposed to God, groups and cities and kings and nations of people that uh, were opposed to God's people, to his ways. And so Joshua would lead this nation into the land that God picked out, where they, would, where they would subdue it first, but then grow and flourish as the people of God. And just before launching out, God gives Joshua this very important command that we looked at, was be strong and very courageous. And so we, we looked at those two words. It's a small statement, but it has tremendous significance and impact for us. And God's saying, you're going to need to be strong, which means got to get a firm grip on your responsibilities. And then you need to be courageous. That You would need to act. Joshua, act with courage no matter how you feel when you're out there. And then there's one more very significant command from God. In addition to being strong and courageous, there was something else that was going to be absolutely needed on the battleground. And the next thing God said was, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. The, the law from Moses that it's referring to here. It's partly referring to the Ten Commandments. It's also some of the other instructions and key guidelines that God gave for his people. And essentially, to wrap it all up, the law from Moses is God's commands to God's people. And so it's a saying, hey, be very careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from to the right or to the left. I mean, you're going to need to stay focused, stay on track. And here's the reason, that you may be successful wherever you go. And so, be careful to obey in this passage. This is the third command from God. And there's a very interesting implication here. The, the Hebrew word for be careful is shamar. Uh, we looked, you know, be strong with sazak, courageous is amas. And now shamar, these three commands, and, and this be careful, it has a very, embedded in the meaning of this word, uh, be careful, is to really this idea of act exactly within God's guidelines. 
guide yourself exactly. Get, you know, God is very specific about his commands to us. Uh, and, and this is saying, you know, understand what God has commanded and then guide yourself exactly according to them. Don't cut corners. Don't veer off to the right a little bit. Don't go off to the left. Don't make excuses for yourself. He's saying, Joshua, you're going to need to be careful because there's going to be many opportunities just to disregard what God has said. There's going to be temptations for you to indulge yourself. Or there's going to be opportunities for you to basically do what God has said, but maybe just cut corners and get a little gain for yourself along the way, sneak in some personal benefit for yourself. And so this, this third command, be careful, is very interesting. And, and I just think, I mean, let me ask you, when do you mostly hear someone say, be careful? I mean, usually it's something like, hey, you know, there's snow on the mountains, so, you know, be careful when you're driving up there. Or uh, be careful to read the dosage on the label when you, before you take some medicine. Or, uh, I mean, you know, parents, we say this to our little kids all the time. And, you, know, you know, they're on the top step. Hey, be careful, be careful. Or be careful with the scissors. You know, there's, there's these situations where these are all examples when we can hurt ourselves physically. And so most of the time we say be careful in the midst of physical danger. But right here, God is saying to be careful in the midst of moral danger. And this is actually where we have a much greater potential to damage ourselves. You know, he's not saying, hey, Joshua, be careful with your sword. You don't hit somebody. You know, is saying, you know, be careful to obey all the law. This means be careful not to complain. You know, watch out for tempting situations. Or, or when you're feeling rage or bitterness or unforgiveness or anything's rising in your heart, be careful not to walk in those things. And, and it says, do not turn to the right or to the left. You know, it's going to take this straight, in-line walking and obedience. And, and, and this, it gives me this picture. It kind of reminds me of a tightrope. Check out this picture. Uh, when you look at the narrowness of the wire in this picture, you really get the sense there is no room to go to the right a little bit or to the left a little bit. There's no room. This, this is the, you know, think about the precision that's going to be required to walk on this wire. Here's another photo. This guy is way up in the mountains somewhere. And I think you could justifiably shout to him, Hey, be careful out there. You are in some serious danger. And, and turning to the right or to the left in this situation is going to result in severe consequences. In, in order to walk across that wire, it's going to take careful, concentrated steps in a very straight line. This is the kind of approach that God wants Joshua to take as he leads the nation of Israel forward in battle. And in fact, this is the kind of approach that God wants us to take as we move forward in life. Make decisions. You know, think this through. As I handle my emotions, I, you know, carefully guide yourself according to God's commands. As I use my time, you know, I pick out where my money goes. Be careful. Everything we do needs to be handled with this level of precision. So now that we have a clear idea on God's initial command to Joshua, let's draw back in this story. And where we're going to drop in is uh, all the warriors of Israel are lined up. Again, there's tens of thousands of them. They're ready to plunge into the very first city on the map, they're going to attack, and that's Jericho. And so Israel, they have a very long military campaign ahead of them, but they haven't launched any attacks yet. And the army, at this point, has been marching around Jericho for a week, waiting for the exact moment when God said, it's time to go in. And everyone's probably feeling pretty amped up. I mean, this is really the first battle that they've had. And finally, the time comes. They're ready to go. Joshua calls out to all of his men, and he says, Shout, for the Lord has given you this town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Now, it was normal for conquering armies to take spoils of war. This, you know, it sometimes happens still today, and, and the army will use the goods from a town. And in later battles, 
God permits Israel to do this, to take livestock or other goods. And uh, in this particular case, though, this was, you know, this was the initiating city. And God's instructions were a little bit different here. And, and so what, he, what the command was, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. And here's what he said, everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. So overall, before they launch in, the instructions are pretty simple. There's two options. Every, you know, certain things need to be destroyed, and then the valuable things need to be brought into God's treasury. And the men, amazingly, they follow through. Joshua, as leader, he has a track record of following God wholeheartedly. And he, you know, he takes God very seriously. His desire is to walk exactly. And the level of careful obedience drips down into the hearts of his men as well. And so here's what happens. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they charged as loud as they could, or they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Everything that was supposed to be destroyed, they destroyed. Everything that was supposed to be taken into God's treasury, they brought there. It was a very thorough job. Joshua and all of his men, they carefully obeyed God's commands to the letter. All of them followed through, except for one. There was one man and this whole vast army who did not take the instructions seriously. He was not careful to obey orders. So unbeknown to all of his comrades, Achan took some of the plunder for himself. This was not on the list. This was not one of the improved options given by God. And Achan himself, he said, Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. Here's a depiction of Achan after he's got the stuff, hiding his things in his tent. And so you can imagine this guy, Achan, moving through the city of Jericho. Everyone's carefully following God's orders. They're doing, getting the job done. And he passes a room and something catches his eye. They're like, hello, what's this? He kind of looks around. Nobody's around him. He sees an ex- some expensive clothing, some money, and some gold. And actually, they were nice items, but it's not like they were you know, hugely expensive. I mean, the robes from Babylon, uh, they, were, they were widely known and celebrated for their quality and for their color. It's possible he intended to wear it, or maybe he wanted to sell it, it's hard to know, but the silver that he took was worth around $120, and the gold was only worth about 30 And either way, it wasn't, and it wasn't a huge amount, but he saw these things, he wanted them, and so he stole them. And of course he knew what the command was. Everyone was really clear on God's commands in this area, and so you've got to ask, like, how do you justify this? You know, it's really simple. And so maybe he thought, you know, it's not that much. You know, this stuff is, it, it, it doesn't even amount that much. It's not going to be missed. You know, these past decades we've been in the desert, we've really been deprived of a lot of luxuries, and it's just, it would be nice to have something nice. Or, or maybe you thought, you know, I know what the rules are, but in my special case, you know, my family, we just need a little leg up. This will just be exactly what we need to kind of help us push forward a little bit. And after all, God probably wants me to have this stuff. I, I don't know exactly what went through his mind at that time, but at the end of the day, he just did not take God seriously. He truly did not think there would be any negative consequences for this. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. So imagine Achan on a tightrope. You know, like this, this mental image of, of carefully obeying. He, at first, he, he launches in, he's carefully obeying, but then he veers off to the side. And God also gives us assignments. God gives us key responsibilities to handle in life. And we're routinely tempted to cut corners or, or to seek a little personal gain along the way. You know, we, we have many opportunities just to disregard what God has said. And it's like we also are, are walking on a tightrope every day, 
you know, needing to be careful about our decisions, how we use our time. And, and with each step forward, there's temptation to get sloppy or, or to go off. Or maybe I'll get sloppy in my commitment to, to serving God or, or to serving the church or maybe just my daily time with God, spending time with Him. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm veering off course. So I'm just getting sloppy with that or my giving. I'm, I have this time and I have this money that I have in my disposal, but I'm just going to hoard it for myself or I'm not going to give the full amount because, you know, who's going to know anyway? And no one seemed to notice what Achan did here. And so, in fact, if you, if you go to the end of the chapter, it says, so the Lord was with Joshua and his reputation spread throughout the land. I mean, you get the sense, it's kind of like a happy ending. They get through this first town, they didn't lose anybody, God clearly provided, and Achan, he's probably thinking, by the time he gets back to his tent, he's like, wow, <laughs> I actually did it. It was totally worth it. I mean, I got this stuff, and you know, everyone's happy, I'm happy. <laughs> and no one knew what happened until the end of the next battle. The next map, uh, the next city on the list was Ai, and this was a city that really should have been a piece of cake. I mean, just a fraction of their army would have been required to, de- to defeat Ai. But what happens is that Israel was soundly defeated. In fact, you know, they were sent into a full retreat, and, and their opponents were cutting them down as they went away. I mean, they, they lost men. They, they died in retreat. This was a complete surprise, a turn of events. Uh, Israel's not only baffled, but they are incredibly discouraged. They have no idea what in the world is happening. Like, this is not what God said would happen. And so Joshua, he cries out to God in despair, totally unsure what to do. And we looked at God's response to Joshua last week. Uh, God told Joshua, get up. (laughs) Why are you lying on your face like this? And and so he first had to handle this discouragement that he was feeling. And then, then God goes on to say, hey, Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it. And have hidden these things among their own belongings. So, Joshua was wigging out a little bit, but but God graciously pulls back the layers on what happened. He exposes the problem. But he does it in a very interesting way. I don't know if you noticed, but God said, Israel has sinned. They have stolen things. They have lied about it. I mean, it wasn't just one guy. I mean, it was just Achan. Nobody else even knew about it. And this is interesting because what you find out is that the sin of one man is credited to the whole nation of Israel. (laughs) We do not normally think this way. This is a little mind-boggling for us, especially nowadays here in the modern, you know, United States of America. We tend to be individualistic. This is my path, my chart, and, you know, I have things coming to me, and here's what I'm doing. And, And we tend to be focused on the individual, but in the eyes of God... This whole community appears to be infected by the sin of Achan so that they no longer stand before him as a pure and holy congregation. And, and the way it worked out in this setting, the member of a, of a community that was established by God like Israel was, the good or the evil action of one individual uh, involves the whole congregation in either blessing or destruction. And, and this was a very tough but a very valuable lesson that my sin brings trouble on others. I mean, certainly, when, when, I, when I go off track and I veer off and I do my own thing, I bring trouble on myself. But my sin also, I'm bringing trouble on people in my life. And the Apostle Paul, much later, uh, much later time in the New Testament, he said something very similar to this. First Corinthians, he says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And you get this idea, there, there's, there's more just involved than, than one guy. It's more than just me. It's more than just you. There, there's, a, there's a cohesion here. And the result of Achan's sin, really, he, he just disregarded God's command. 
Uh, one, one result was that forward progress in the expansion campaign was stalled out. I mean, they're only at city number two. <laughs> and they have a whole landscape of cities to conquer. Another thing is that trouble came on the nation. Men died. They, there was not supposed to be any death in this battle. And so God said, this is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. This story, it kind of makes us ask, you know, if my sin brings trouble on others, you know, in the past, what, you know, the things that I've gotten into, who have I brought trouble on? Or, or actually right now, if I'm failing to walk exactly and carefully, who am I bringing trouble on currently? My family members? You know, this church body? Or even this nation? I mean, it's worth asking. You know, whenever I'm facing an abundance of pain and problems, is there some sin lurking in the shadows in my life that I haven't dealt with yet? Because a lot of times, trouble persists in our lives because of undealt with sin. And sometimes we get sloppy. We, we, just, we disregard and, and there's a price to pay. Sometimes we pay the price. Sometimes it's the group at large. And so this is actually something that we've been wrestling with as a church family over this past year. If you've been around Orange Cross Community Church for uh, at least the beginning of this year, you may have heard that our senior pastor, Josh, he's been putting a focus on strengthening the core of our church. And so this idea has been surfacing at, at key times in church life this year. And Josh decided to put a focus on, on really making the body here healthy and, and whole and dealing with things as they come up really directing our sources uh, at this time to this healthy body rather than pouring into outreach for this year uh, as a general principle. And so, for example, this year earlier we had a men's summit where uh, a lot of the guys got a chance to, to really reevaluate commitment to Jesus and, and deal with issues of sin that came up. We have this re- women's retreat coming up where there's going to be a real focus on identity in Jesus. And, and we've been really seeing this thing happen where People are identifying some things. You know, it could be through an event like that, or it's small groups that we have, or just one-on-one conversations. And, and God has been faithful to point out issues and sin. And praise the Lord, people have been dealing with it. You know, people have been getting a hold of things and making traction. And, and, and it, it's very encouraging because, you know, just think about what we can do as a congregation. If we're all carefully walking and being careful on God's commands, think about what we can do and the impact that we can have here. So if we jump back into this story... God never revealed Achan's identity. Joshua needed to figure out who the guy was, who stole the plunder. And so Joshua, I mean, all he can do is basically call out everyone, the whole nation of Israel, and they're all divided up into 12 enormous tribes of people. And so he used this process of casting lots to to break it down, narrow down who this person was. And uh, so when they, at this time when they cast lots, uh, they may have used something like this, black and white stones, to kind of, uh, you know, maybe throw these. It, it kind of worked like dice a little bit, but it was very different because this whole thing was directed by God. And the way the lots were thrown, Joshua knew that God was the one directing the outcome. And so this is the way they kind of worked through and narrowed it down. And it says, so Joshua, he rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe. These are huge groups of people. And the tribe of Judah was taken. And so Achan happens to be in the tribe of Judah. And he's probably starting to sweat at this time, knowing, oh my goodness, this thing is happening. And then, and then Joshua brought near the clans. This is the next division down. This is smaller groups within Judah. And the clan of Zerahites were taken. Achan is in this clan, and his heart's probably starting to pound as each step of his discovery is coming nearer and nearer. And then finally, Joshua 
brought near the clan of Zerahites, man by man. Uh, this is actually referring to households. This is one more division. So in the household, or, or the man, Zabdi was taken. And Achan is in this household. And you're thinking, come on, Achan. I mean, it's taking so long. Everybody's out. You're standing in the sun. Why don't you just come forward with this thing? You know, come clean. And so, no, he waits. And so Joshua brought near household, this household, man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. So Joshua finally narrows it all the way down. They identify Achan. He's singled out. And God brings this thing into the light, despite Achan's best intentions to keep it in darkness. God knew all along who it was, but this dramatic method of, of drawing it out and, and having everyone there seeing what's happening uh, was a dramatic impression on the nation of Israel about the seriousness of disobeying God's commands. So with everyone assembled together, they're sweating, standing in the sun, hoping to get this situation dealt with. Joshua calls Achan forward, and he says, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Joshua addresses Achan. This is a firm, but it's, it's a compassionate way. I mean, Joshua, he hates the sin. He hates the impact that it's had. But he doesn't despise the sinner. He doesn't despise Achan for, for who he is as a man. But Achan does reply, It's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua sends messengers to go investigate. They find them. It's true. And they, they bring the items forward. And with a chilling statement, Joshua tells Achan, Why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And the final result for Achan is total judgment. He is executed. He's totally wiped out. And at this point, Israel is able to press forward with their mission, actually, and fantastic success. Joshua's leadership is strengthened as he handles this delicate situation very well in an honoring way to God. But there's a part of this story that's a little bit troubling. I mean, it's tough to fully grasp why it had to quite pan out in this way. You know, Achan's death sentence, it seems a little bit extreme. I mean, they, I mean he, he transgressed, yeah, but they just took it all the way to the limit. But there's a few things at play here that, that's really helpful to think through. One is that Israel was at a unique time in history. I mean, this was the people of God. This was a, a young, developing nation that God has especially set apart. And, and in some ways, it was fragile. They needed to be very, very clear on God's ways. I mean, if things could just get swept under the rug, and it's kind of, we'll just cut corners here. The entire community of faith is at stake. And God really wanted to build on this group for centuries. And, and so understanding the gravity of God's commands and following God, this, is, this was very significant. Another thing that's so interesting about this is that Achan, he remains silent. I mean, I don't know, when they're going through this whole process of casting lots and they're moving tens of thousands of people around in the desert, narrowing it down, like, I'm assuming that took all day. And he has this opportunity just to come clean. You know, everyone is, is basically Israel is being punished and he's standing there with his mouth closed. And, and this actually, Achan had time, it's actually been suggested that if Achan would have just responded in repentance, thrown himself on the mercy of God, no doubt he would have been pardoned. And, and if we just trace this story all the way back to God's original command to be strong, to be courageous, and be careful to obey, th this carefulness was absent in Achan. And so you start seeing a very gaping difference between Joshua and Achan when you hold them side by side. And you know, Joshua, on one hand, very careful to obey. 
He was very clear on God's commands. He had a strong grip, and he succeeded wherever he went. And you read that through the story. And then Achan, he disregarded God's commands, and he received judgment. This is a, a very stark contrast. This is, a, in some ways, a very difficult story to swallow, but it exposes an important truth that we so desperately need. I mean, we live in a world where truth is supposedly relative, and you know God's ways are, are, are outdated and irrelevant, and everyone just you just kind of make up your own way of going, and you just do what feels good, do what seems good in your eyes, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And this historical account stands in sharp contrast to our culture's present way of thinking. And we need, the truth that we need so badly is that my sin is destructive. It causes problems. When I just go off and I do what I want, and I veer to the left, or I veer to the right, or I get sloppy, I cross problems for myself. I also bring problems to people in my life. And so not taking God seriously and taking His commands, there is a reality to the consequences, no matter what we think. You know, we may think there's nothing. Nothing's going to happen. There's nothing bad that's going to happen to me. But there's a reality embedded into our experience. And so the way to limit the damage and to lead to success is carefully obeying. As we move forward in life, the way to limit the damage and to lead towards success is carefully obeying. And, and it's like walking on that tightrope. You know, just careful steps, thinking things through. You know, success and blessing will be found by carefully obeying all of God's instructions. And as you think through this, there, there is one significant difference between Achan's experience and ours. Uh, for Achan, he transgressed the law and his judgment came pretty quick. He was, uh, you know, punished very severely, but there aren't always immediate consequences in my life. You know, if I veer off track and if I get a little sloppy, sometimes nothing bad happens right away. Sometimes nothing bad happens for years. And so we start thinking, oh, this is okay. I can get away with this. But the reason this happens is it's due to God's kindness. He gives us time. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he says pretty directly with a statement, strong statement in Romans, he says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does that mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So God doesn't squash us right away. You know, it's not like someone goes out, they commit a crime, and as soon as it happens, a giant finger comes out of the sky and just grinds them right into the ground. And everyone's like, oh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's not what happens. You don't ever see that happening. You know, somebody can commit a crime, and maybe they get away with it for a period of time. But what's happening is God is giving us time to repent. And in the end, judgment does eventually come to those who reject God. But what I love about this verse in Romans is that God's not just the enforcer. He's also the redeemer. Jesus has made the way for us. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. That enables us to come clean and to get cleansed of our sins and the things that got us off track. And so we don't have to be like Achan, just kind of waiting until we're find out and then getting the full force of the punishment or the judgment. Actually, the, the severe judgment on Achan should be the way that we respond to sin in our own lives. And after Achan's sin was dealt with, the nation of Israel was able to launch, you know, re, re, resume the conquest they had great progress and expansion. In the same way, when, when we repent, when we confess and we deal with our sin, it unblocks the stoppage of progress in our lives. When, when Confession is really the, the... It paves the way for blessing and freedom in our lives. And, and this is really the beauty of the Christian life. It's amazing. Our lives can become an incredible story of redemption. We find healing. We can find progress and success in life. And, and actually, not just in this life, but towards an incredible life, glorifying God on through eternity. So you might be thinking through a next step in response to this powerful story. Maybe you need to identify a specific situation in your life where maybe you're veering off to the side a little bit. 
You know, not being totally careful to obey God's commands. Or maybe if something has already come to your mind, maybe necessary to deal rightly with it by confessing to God. And, and this is the great thing. Whenever we mess up, we can clean it up. You know, whenever we go off track, you know, we have this opportunity to get it cleared up. And this is really because of God's tremendous love for us. We can get cleansed from our, our careless living. And, and maybe one third next step would be just to commit to walking exactly this week. It, it really helps to think, you know, you think through this week coming up. As I go to work, or as I'm relating to the kids or my spouse, or as I go to that group, what are the situations that I'm most likely to get tempted to indulge or to go off track? Well, I'll just not take God seriously with my time or how I'm using things. Those are the key moments in life to really focus on obeying carefully. Would you pray with me now? Father God, we thank you so much for this instructive story. You you put the story of Joshua and Achan in the Bible so that we could learn and we could understand how reality is wired. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the ability to uh, be careful because you've been very clear on your instructions and your commands. And so we we can follow you with precision. Uh, but would you help us to identify those moments in our lives, even this week, Lord, when, when we're veering off to the side, or at, even at this moment, would you help us uh, have the motivation and the perspective to get back on track? Thank you so much for your kindness, your tolerance, and your patience, and your love for us. It's incredible, Lord. We're so grateful for that. Thank you for your help this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.